You're listening to the Get Your Head in the Game podcast, a show that shines a light on mental health in the sports community and manifests a dialogue amongst those looking to make a change. My name is Josh Kim, and I'm a journalist and photographer best known for my creative work across the sports landscape. And I'm sitting down with athletes, sports professionals, and coaches alike to talk about their own personal correlations between sports and mental health. Please be advised that the content discussed in this podcast contains mature subject matter and that listener discretion is advised. In episode 17, I'm honored to be joined by Elaine Chuli, the starting goalie for the Toronto Six and another iconic female hockey player. Having played in the CWHL and the PWHPA before joining the NWHL, Elaine knows better than most what life is like for female hockey players in today's society. Spending one of her few off days on the show, Elaine joins the podcast to chat about life as both a professional athlete and an accountant, her career and the stories within it, and how her love for the game has brought her both resiliency and optimism. As I said off the top, another remarkable guest joins me on episode 17 of the Get Your Head in the Game podcast, Elaine Truly. She just re-signed this week with the Toronto Six of the NWHL after a great inaugural season. She's played in a bunch of different leagues throughout her career, and she's also the all-time saves leader for both the NCAA's Hockey East Conference and the UConn Huskies D1 program. Elaine, I greatly appreciate you taking some time out of your summer to have a discussion about mental health and sports. Congratulations on the new contract, and how has the offseason been treating you so far? Yeah, thanks for having me, Josh. Uh, it's been good so far. Obviously excited to to resign with the Toronto Six. And yeah, I've just been um, working through my off-ice uh, training right now and looking forward to getting back on the ice. That's great to hear. I mean, I think all players right now are looking forward to get back on, on the ice. So diving right in here, the first question that I ask everybody on the show is why is mental health important? It definitely kickstarts the dialogue, gets a conversation going about the subject and especially in uh, the sports landscape, it definitely needs to be talked about a little bit more. So why is mental health important to you? I think mental health is huge. And it's something that, you know, people, for some reason, are hesitant to talk about, um, or it's almost seen as a weakness, when in reality, I think it is something that really impacts um, a, a lot of people in one way or another. So I think it, I think it's really important to to talk about that and to you know recognize that if if you are struggling with it yourself and try to find ways how to deal with it and get help if you need it. So I think I think that's really good and it obviously if you can take care of those things it'll also help your performance in, in your sport. So definitely for sure a, a lot of great takeaways from that answer alone. I mean the one thing that you mentioned it's it's definitely seen as a weakness by a lot of people even still to this day it's seen as a weakness it's not um, but a lot of people have that common misconception and that can greatly impact uh, the way mental health is perceived in society and, and sport especially as a whole. So before diving into your, your career a little bit I want to start off from a general standpoint hockey is a team sport but as a goalie I feel like there's always an increased amount of pressure compared to everyone else on the ice after playing it myself after watching and following the sport for so long uh, goalies are often on an island so to speak uh, by themselves during games so after playing and covering the sport for so long uh, can you speak to the level of pressure and what sort of things do you do whether that's pre-game or post-game or in between periods to kind of settle your nerves and get yourself in the right headspace to perform I mean having all that pressure on you and having really no one behind you, you're, you're kind of considered the last line of defense in a, in a lot of sports cliches. I don't like sports cliches, but uh, you're kind of considered the last line of defense in that, in that standpoint. So what is the pressure like for you specifically? Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely do get nervous before um, all my games and still to this day I do. I think, 
I think that nerves are good. Um, you know, when I'm nervous, I know I'm ready to go, but it's kind of dialing it in between having uh, nerves where you're maybe doubting your abilities and nerves, but kind of just like having a nervous vibe that, okay, I, I'm kind of feeling, you know, antsy to get this game going. So kind of trying to focus it and switch it from maybe being like, oh, you know, I hope I play well, or I hope, you know, X, Y, and Z happen, or I hope I don't let a bad goal in kind of shifting it and just noticing that the nerves are there, but not letting my mind start creeping into, into specific thoughts about the game. So I kind of just like to have like a blank mind and obviously you're feeling a little worked up and antsy to, before a game, but trying not to think, not, not let your mind run away with, you know, what could happen uh, during the game, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. There's a difference between nerves of the adrenaline type and more the nerves of kind of nervousness and, and kind of just fear of what is going to transpire later in the game. Yeah. So to deal with that, like, first off is being prepared, like, okay, I know I've been training off the ice on the ice and putting in all the work. So I know I'm ready. So that helps calm some of it. And then second, like things like meditation or um, stuff like that, getting a good warm up in before the game, um, all things, you know, having a routine um, to stick to kind of to just, you know, keep yourself set on, on something before the game. Yeah, you mentioned routine. And I know hockey players are notoriously superstitious. So are you one of those people that that has a strict routine that they follow pregame, whether that's a, a certain meal or a specific song that they listen to before? before taking the ice um nothing in terms of a specific meal or song I kind of I, I've kind of tried to come away from superstition just because in reality every team you play on that's different every you know city everything's going to be a little bit different um so I don't want things like too set in stone to the point where so so then that way if you know if pregame meal is this instead of this I'm not like, oh, but I, but I need this instead. So um, I definitely have a routine because I, I've found, you know, and I tweak it, what helps me get in the best headspace and the most physically ready for the game. Um, but not, but nothing too superstitious. Honestly, that's, that's a great answer to be totally honest, because uh, you were right. Circumstances do change different cities, different teams, different, different venues all have their different layouts. And it, it's, it's a little bit uh, risky to lay all of that on the line when you're traveling so much and, and playing professional hockey. So you're with Team Canada at the U18 World Championships back in 2012 and then joined the Yukon Huskies program just a short time later. Do you remember what was going through your head at that point in your career where you were playing at the international stage and then the collegiate level in such a short time span and still at an early age? Yeah, I think, I mean, I was only like at those uh, world championships, I would have only been 17 and then I turned 18 in May and then was off to, you know, different country for school. So I think just, yeah, you are young and you're moving away from home. So I think I don't know. I was excited. I was sad. I, I did really enjoy um, my parents' house and, and I still do. Um, so that was hard. But in terms of hockey, I was excited to kind of move on to that next level and that next step and um, that the NCAA offered. So I, I was pretty excited, but but I was sad um, to, to, to leave my parents' house as well. Yeah, oftentimes, I mean, players, when they are just so focused on moving on to the next level, they may might not even take in the nerves of it all or, or, or really experience the emotion of, of leaving behind and just they're, they're just so excited to move on to, to that next level. So 
Following your collegiate career, you were drafted into the now-defunct CWHL, playing a couple seasons there, most notably in China and with the Toronto Furies, who play out of my neighborhood here in Etobicoke. Um, you later joined the newly formed PWHPA, playing in two Dream Gap Tour showcases. I had the pleasure of attending one of those, which is the most recent one in 2020 in Toronto, and now you're with the NWHL and the Toronto Six. So with all that experience in women's hockey through the different leagues and organizations, can you share some of the things that you've learned, not just about women's hockey overall and where it's headed, but yourself as well as a player over the past four to five years. I mean, I think it's pretty rare to have uh, a, a female hockey player having all that experience across so many different organizations that have tried their uh, their grasp at sustainability here for the women's game. So what have you learned about all that exp- through all that experience now as you're with the Toronto Six here in the NWHL? Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, the players of my generation, this will kind of be the last time where, um, professional players are kind of circling through so Definitely. many different leagues or associations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I was happy with my, my college career. Um, but then as you get older, you, I really noticed that I just matured, you know, a, as you get older, um, whether that's in, you know, how I train or on the ice, off the ice and all those things. So, and even a mindset, like, I just feel like I, you know, you grow up a lot from, from college and, although I was happy with my college career um, it's been really cool to keep developing my game and all while having a job too. So I think, I think it's just, you learn time management, you even better than you do in college, you learn what's important to you. And um, you know, for a while I thought, I don't know if I want to play this game if I can't be 110% invested, which in the women's hockey landscape right now isn't the case because a lot of us have to work. Um, so I've kind of gotten past that mindset and just, um, it's kind of just made me even appreciate the game more because you never know when your last game will be. You know, I thought a few times I've thought, you know, is this, is this my last season? Because, you know, leagues folding, you know, you just don't know what's kind of happening next. So, um, I've just matured and and started to appreciate the game a lot more. Um, kind of when you're younger, it's easier to take things for granted. Um, you know, you know, when you when you sign on to go to college that you likely have four seasons there at least. Right. But once, once you move on from there, it, it's a little more uncertain. Yeah. That is the unfortunate reality. I, I, that's become common knowledge now across uh, many in the hockey community. That's the unfortunate reality that women's hockey finds themselves in and definitely not where they want to be. And they're, and I'm super glad to see the organize different organizations taking different steps towards sustainability. So you mentioned that, work and hockey are are really two different things a lot of people in the in the men's game don't really have experience with that uh working a different job and playing hockey at the same time so can you just provide some context or perspective into what that life is like i know a lot of women's hockey players have told their stories where you know they're working during the day practicing at night practicing early in the morning then going to work so what was that whole uh part of your life like when you were doing that and, and uh you know just to provide some context to people who may not even have any remotely idea uh, what that is like. Yeah, for sure. So I'm a, I work at uh, live CA. Um, it's a remote accounting firm here in, in Canada. Um, so I'm lucky that it is remote. Um, so I do work from home um, and I'm a CPA. So it's, it's busy, like, especially through, through tax season, specifically when we were in like Placid, I was right kind of in the thick of things. So, you know, you're working a 
eight to 10 hour day and then going to play a game or having to miss practice because, you know, you have a, a work meeting and it's just in reality, it's just where the women's hockey it is right now. And what we're trying to build is to move away from where you don't have to work during the day. Um, but it's a business and, uh, you know, there's not just unlimited income right off the bat to be able to pay, you know, these salaries right away. So we, we do need a business model that allows us to be able to get paid so that we don't have to work. It's not just going to come out of thin air in my opinion. So, um, just from a business perspective. So yeah, like days, you know, right now in the off season, I, wake up and I, um, I train and read and meditate and do all those things. Then I start my work day. Um, and then during the season, I start my work day earlier because I'm usually on the road to Toronto for practice and workout at night. So sometimes I even skate with my goalie coach before work at like seven. So I'm lucky that my schedule is, is a little flexible, but it's, there's definitely a lot of juggling that goes into it. And, um, like, yeah, we're all doing this so that hopefully one day girls don't have to have to do this juggling. Yeah. That right there, you know, is, is really a testament to where the women's game is at right now. And you just mentioned, I mean, this is the work that goes in to, in order to set the standard for the, for the future, future generations of, of girls who want to play pro hockey in the women's landscape. And, and really I don't, it, it definitely makes me appreciate the women's game a lot more, but I can't even imagine what type of impact that has on the players to be able to be able to be laying the foundation for future generations of, of female hockey players. So as I mentioned with all the experience in those different leagues, can you recount maybe a couple things that stood out to you most about each organization? I mean, you spent time with each major organization that has really come and gone in, in the women's hockey landscape. That could be a personal story or a notable, notable memory with each organization, just anything that really gave you some perspective into what women's hockey once was and what it has become today, given that you've traveled across all these different leagues and played with all these different teams. Yeah. So obviously um, coming out of, out of school, it was a nice surprise to be able to uh, get asked to go play in China. So that, that was super cool because in China, we, that was the first taste I had of, okay, like this is my job. Uh, I was still doing some schoolwork. Uh, for my CPA program at the time. Um, but in terms of a, a job, you know, that that was our job. So that was pretty cool to kind of get a taste of, you know, what, you know, on a much smaller scale, but what it's like to be a professional athlete, um, in terms of, you know, being able to train, sleep, recover, and not have to worry about, you know, fitting another eight to 10 hour block in your day of, like other work. Um, so I was super fortunate for that. It was a, it was a great group of players. I had a lot of fun. Um, and then coming back to, uh, back to Toronto for the Furies, you know, that was, you know, back kind of to square one where you're not really, not really making much money. Um, you know, just kind of covers your gas and whatnot for the season. Um, and then you got to get it, go back to work. So, um, but again, you know, it just, oh all the while you're just still so grateful that you get to play and, and play in a competitive league. So, you know, I think part of the problem is a lot of us, you know, and we were doing it playing for basically nothing. Right. So where you don't see that in the men's game at all, but we all love it and we want to see it grow and, and we, we want, we want to see change. So um, then what happened? Well, then we found out, yeah, the CWHL folded. So I joined the, um, I was studying for my CPA exam, my final um, exam in 2019. So I, I joined the uh, the PWHPA, 
which, you know, it gave me an opportunity to stay out on the ice, um, practices and whatnot. Uh, I didn't really play many games, but, you know, it kind of did keep me on the ice for the year. And then to evaluate, okay, what's next? Like, is this it? Or, um, you know, I knew I wanted to play games. So, and I wanted to be on a team. So then, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to get asked to play on the new Toronto team, the NWHL. And I think this, you know, and with COVID too, so there's been a lot of crazy things going on. You know, we were working out outside as a team, um, couldn't practice as a full team. The season gets, you know, the schedule gets messed up. We then we're then Lake Placid. So a lot of changes, but again, just, you know, it was cool to, to be a part of a new league and, and cut in and see it come under new, um, you know, with Tyler Tamania running it now. And it was super cool to see where the league's going. And then, you know, with the salary cap increase, we're all really excited and um, yeah, a bunch of good business minds to move, move the league forward. Right. Cause at the end of the day, the league is a business um, and we need to figure out, you know, how can we make this profitable and um, you know, if, if not, like, like how can we make this appealing for investors and, you know, minimize our expenses and our costs. And, you know, you can't just pay, you just can't pay players, you know, as much money as the men get. And without there, there's impacts to, to the overall bottom line of the business. Um, so it's been cool to kind of be a part of, of it, getting it growing and, and getting it to what we want it to be. And like, it's not what we want yet, but the idea is that we're working towards that with a bunch of good people involved. Yeah, it, that's that sounds great from a progress standpoint. Obviously, it, it sounds like it's a lot of a next step mentality amongst a lot of the players that that currently play the game in the women's landscape. And obviously, we saw g- tremendous progress this past season with the tournament in Lake Placid. Uh, new sponsors becoming available, record numbers on Twitch, and and the salary cap uh, increase that we that I just talked about with Michaela Grandmentis, who was on the last episode. And so. It sounds like it's definitely trending in the right direction. Definitely great to to hear from at least a player perspective that that it is trending in the right direction and obviously a, a big sigh of relief and, and plenty of hard work still still left to go. So it's no secret the NWHL's Lake Placid tournament faced plenty of adversity as it took place. Scheduling issues, teams dropping out due to health and safety protocols, all that stuff. As someone who was a prominent player in the bubble itself, what would you say were some of the biggest mental challenges that teams had to overcome? I mean, there were plenty to choose from but which would you say were some of the most difficult because it it, it caught headlines it, it made made the rounds on social and a lot of people uh, found out about it yeah well first off I mean you're battling with you know okay we're going to the U.S. like we hope we don't turn up with a COVID test because then I can't go so you're kind of have that in the back of your head like hey I don't you know I you don't want to test positive I don't because I want to go right we've been training so hard for this so you're kind of like, you know, being extra careful leading up to the bubble and that sort of thing. The league kind of had laid out a bunch of protocols for all that to keep us all safe. And then, you know, once we get there and you hear that, you know, people did have COVID and there was some issues going on, you just like, you know, circulating like, okay, once you know everyone is okay, which is the number one concern, it's like, okay, like we want to keep playing and we, you know, we've trained, trained for this. So we, we want the season to keep going. Um, but not really knowing like, okay, if, you know, having all these tests throughout the bubble, you don't really know like what's going to happen. So it's kind of just taking it day by day, um, which is all you really could do. And, you know, it was hard. We all had our own hotel rooms. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't socialize with, with people and, and that sort of thing. So I think that took a toll on, 
a lot of people, um, I, you know, I had, I was working, um, you know, full days while I was there, but I think it was a blessing in disguise because it kind of, it actually kept my mind away from hockey, which is good for me. I don't, don't need to overthink anything. And then as well, it kept me busy, busy during the days. But I mean, I think the days definitely got long. You're in a hotel room or you're at the rink. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's kind of similar to what the NHL has experienced when they do their bubbles and stuff. It, it can get lonely and you can kind of feel like you're by yourself. So yeah, obviously that's a an incredibly tough challenge. And, and even for you, you just mentioned you were working during the bubble and still managed to put up some of the best numbers that the league has ever seen. So that is just a testament to both you as a player and, and some of the talent that, that is that is in that bubble and, and in the NWHL itself. So you just re-signed with Toronto. Great news for us here in the city, meaning you'll be back between the pipes for at least another season. And I want to ask, how did that process all come together and what does it mean to you mentally that a team like Toronto has the confidence to bring you back in for another season? You just mentioned that a lot of women's hockey is is just thinking about the next step and thinking about whether you're actually going to play again after the season is over. So what does it mean to you that you'll be back in at least uh, back in the city, at least for another year? Yeah. Like I said, I'm super excited and super grateful to get, get the opportunity, um, you know, coming off like the last year, not really playing anywhere because you can't really compare practicing to playing games. I don't think like, until you actually get in the game and get some, you know, real game minutes under your belt for a season, you, you kind of feel, so I kind of started, you know, I wasn't quite sure what to honestly expect in Lake Placid. I was, you know, you don't, we, we don't get to skate every day, especially with COVID, like things were kind of on lockdown. So yeah, I didn't really know what to expect. I hadn't played a game, a real game in over a year, well over a year, uh, almost two years, probably from like a real, like with a real league, um, so yeah, you didn't know what to expect. And then you kind of, you get in there and, and you start rolling and, and you think, okay, like this is good. And then, you know, I, it really proved to myself, I still love the game. Um, cause you know, life gets busy with work and all these other things you're, you kind of go like, is it still worth it to keep, to keep doing it? Um, so, so I had a lot of fun. And then after the season ended, you know, I was like, yeah, this is something I, I'm still having fun at it and I'm still enjoying it and competing and, I proved to myself that, um, you know, I can still be at the level I want to be, even though I have to work as well right now. So, um, yeah, I just thought, and then Digit reached out at the end of the season and said they, you know, they would like to resign me and we're happy with how, you know, the season this past year went, uh, the season we were able to have. So yeah, it was, it was a no brainer, honestly. Yeah, for sure. And, and that the one thing that you touched on there is that you were still that you still had your love for the game. And I think that's an underrated thing that especially in challenging times like this, a lot of a lot of the times players can kind of lose their sense of where they're at in, in life in their own career. But it's great to hear that you still have you're still in that headspace and you still want to play. And obviously, the team is is extremely lucky to have you. So that's just the perfect way to wrap things up. Elaine Truly, she's a standout with the Toronto Six in the NWHL. She's returning to the team next year. So make sure to catch all the league action streaming on Twitch. Elaine, you're, you've been a prominent figure in women's hockey for a while now. So thank you for sharing your experiences about mental health and sport. I wish you nothing but the best next season. And I cannot wait for the Six to return to Canada and play here in the city. Thanks so much, Josh. Yeah, looking forward to it. You'll have to, uh, have to come catch a game for sure. But Eastwood away with it. Couldn't clear. Chance in front. Guillen all alone on the backhand. Saved by Chuli. Another big stop in the Toronto net. 